Welcome to Gestational Diabetes Club. I'm your host, Helena, dietitian, nutritionist, vegetable enthusiast, and big fan of strong coffee and dark chocolate. Join me here each week to chat about all things gestational diabetes. We'll cover everything you need to know about your nutrition, lifestyle, and all the messy bits in between so that you can feel empowered to optimize your blood sugar, grow a healthy baby, and create sustainable healthy habits to last a whole lifetime without the stress, overwhelm, guilt, or confusion. Thanks so much for joining me, and I hope you love it here. Hello, welcome back. Now, today's episode is inspired by a question from one of my lovely listeners around hidden sugars. Now, this is probably something that is on your mind too. They commented that sugar is hidden everywhere and they really wanted to know where to look so that they can avoid them. Now, this is obviously really relevant when it comes to managing blood sugar with gestational diabetes, as you could think that you've created a meal with a certain number of carbs based on the obvious carb choice for the meal. For example, if you were having something like potato or pasta or rice or whatever, but you may actually be consuming a much higher amount of carbohydrates than you realized if there were sugars in something like the sauces that you were using, which could then very well cause a spike. So it's a very valid topic for us to discuss. But firstly, I wanted to take you through a couple of caveats and why I actually don't think that it's as important as you might think. So hear me out here. I totally see the point. And I agree that it's really beneficial to minimize added sugar within our diets. And that's not just in terms of GD and managing your blood sugar, but for overall health and well-being, of course. But the first thing to realize is that it actually doesn't do us any favors to hyperfixate on one thing like sugar. And sometimes when we talk about things like this, it can start sounding pretty alarmist and give the impression that all sugar is bad and has to be avoided. It's really wrapped up in that whole, you know, like the I quit sugar movement and things like that, which I just don't think are helpful or necessary. Even if you do have something like gestational diabetes, it's pretty inevitable that sugar is going to end up in your diet and it's not always a bad thing. And just to clarify, sugar is in loads of things. It's in a lot of the delicious things that we eat, but it's also actually in a lot of like nutrition powerhouses. So things like fruit and like yogurt and quinoa and oats and bread and basmati rice, like all really beautiful, nutritious things that we want to have in our diet. They contain sugar too, because if you think about the way that our bodies digest things, when we digest carbohydrates, they're broken down into sugar molecules when it hits the bloodstream. And of course, this is going to be different depending on the makeup of that food. So for example, something that is really high fiber and whole grain is going to take longer to digest and take longer to break down into those individual sugar molecules in the bloodstream versus something like lollies, which is going to be very quickly broken down and more likely to raise your blood sugar. And of course, it also depends on the quality of that food. So whether we're actually pulling any nutrients out of it as well. But the general principle is the same, that if you were cutting out sugar, you would also be cutting out a whole lot of nutrients and a whole lot of fiber. And another thing is that it's just really not sustainable to say that you're never going to eat sugar again. Like how often do we say things to ourselves like, I'm going to give up chocolate or ice cream or whatever it is. We stick to it for a couple of days or a couple of weeks and then just completely revert back. 
And maybe it's a little bit different when you do have GD because you're focusing a bit harder, you're being a bit stricter, and you're more likely to be able to keep those things out of your diet for the period of time. But if we think about like normal life outside of GD, I think we have all been down that path where we do say that to ourselves and then the food just creeps back into our diet before we know it and we're kind of back to square one. So then the cycle just repeats. When I'm coaching my clients, I really try and avoid this. And what I actually do is get them to tell me what their favorite foods are so that we can work out a way to keep them in. And I guess this is more relevant, like I said before, for people who don't have GD. So for example, like my postpartum clients who would generally have goals around improving their diet, feeling better in their body, potentially wanting to drop some weight, things like that. So it's more relevant there. But what I do is I make sure that they can actually keep in the foods that are generally like the sugary types of foods that they love into their diet in appropriate portions. And we consider the way that they're going to enjoy those foods. So, you know, feeling satisfied, eating them mindfully, all of those things, and how we know that they can fit in around the other well-balanced things in their diet. Because that way, we can avoid that really all or nothing thinking and they can really like take the novelty out of those foods as well. So realize that you can have them at any point, then you don't have to overeat them and you don't have to eat them just because they're in the house and you can actually get to a better place where you don't feel like you need to swing from totally restricting it to then overeating it when it suddenly does become available to you. So, I mean, I just think that it's so much more sustainable to actually keep those foods in. And I think like in the long term, you don't want to be living your life thinking that you can never have a piece of chocolate again, right? Like it just sounds so miserable. So I just think it's actually really important to be able to keep those foods in your diet. And it also really worries me if I'm working with a client and for the period of time that, that we're working together, they keep all of these foods out because they want to be really, quote unquote, good and stick to the plan. It actually really worries me because then I just think, well, once we finish working together, are they just going to revert back, feel just as out of control around these sorts of foods and end up in potentially a worse position than when we started? So I just really try and avoid that. And I just think that that's so important to highlight in this episode, just to say that sugar is not always the devil. It's okay to have things that contain sugar in your diet. It doesn't derail your progress. It doesn't automatically make you unhealthy or anything like that. Obviously, with GD, it's a little bit harder. It's a little bit stricter. We can't have many of those foods in because we want to avoid spikes. But talking as a general concept, sugar is not the devil, okay? Now, just another note on the sorts of messages that we often hear about sugar and particularly on food labels that are trying to convince you that they are maybe healthier than they actually are. They often replace sugar with another type and they'll often say things like refined sugar-free. But I just want to let you know that all sugar is sugar, whether it comes from dates, coconut, honey, molasses, rice malt syrup, any of it, it is still sugar. So it's still handled the same way in your body, still probably going to raise your blood sugar. And the other thing to consider is that hidden sugars are honestly just not usually that hidden. It's generally pretty obvious when we're eating foods that are heavily processed, they're almost certainly going to be higher in sugar, fat and salt because those things taste delicious and the food companies want us to eat them. 
So if we zoom out a little bit, we can assume that if your diet is based mostly on whole foods and minimally processed foods, and you're cooking a lot of things from scratch at home, then it's actually unlikely that you're consuming many hidden sugars. Or if you are, they're probably not that significant or worth worrying about. And just to quickly clarify here, when I'm talking about whole foods, then I'm talking about things that don't come from packets. So that's mainly things like bread, pasta, tinned lentils, tinned beans, frozen veggies, passata, stuff like that. So it's had a little bit of processing that means that we can consume it easily, but not that much. And then ultra processed foods would be things more like your chips and chocolate, ice cream, biscuits, kind of unrecognizable from what that food started its life as. So all of that aside, I assume that this question is actually focused around maybe that middle band of of foods, like those minimally processed foods, where it actually can be tricky to work out if they've got added sugar or not. And I would agree that that is a bit of a gray area where a lot of things can seem really healthy, seem fine, and they have this health halo on the packet. But when you look a little bit deeper, they might not be that great for us and they might have a little bit of a dodgy ingredient list. But at the same time, another thing to highlight is that fairly frequently you'll find that sugar is on an ingredient list, but in such a small amount that it's really not worth wasting your brain space on. So it's important to know how to be discerning around that. I would be wary of things that contain sugar or oil as well as one of the first three ingredients because ingredients on the list are listed from the highest to the lowest percentage of that ingredient in the food. So if sugar was listed as like the first ingredient or the second ingredient, then it's probably not great. We can assume that most of that product is made of sugar. And another thing to be aware of is that there can be so many different names that sugar can take. So some examples include things like dextrose, fructose, glucose, anything with syrup, honey, sucrose, malt, maltose, lactose, brown sugar, cane sugar, caster sugar, coconut sugar, barley malt, molasses, date syrup, corn syrup, fruit juice concentrate, fructose, invert sugar, icing sugar, palm sugar, panela, powdered sugar, rapadura, rice syrup, sucrose, treacle. I've probably said the same thing over and over, but there's so many I could go on for ages. If you're looking at the nutrition panel, then I would say that if something has more than 15 grams of added sugar per 100 grams, so that's where you're looking on the far right column, then I'd probably put that food back. I would say that that's probably a bit too high. If we're looking at per serve, so the column on the left, then I would be aiming for less than five grams. But this always needs context because it really depends what the serve is, first of all, of the food that you're looking at. So whether that's actually an accurate reflection of what you would actually eat. Um, You know, sometimes something says that it's got like three serves in the packet when you know that that's only going to serve one. So you've got to always be checking that. And the other thing that it needs context around is what that food is, because this doesn't always necessarily work. So, for example, if a cracker or a pasta sauce had five grams of sugar per serve, I probably wouldn't be that happy with it because I would think like that kind of food doesn't really need any sugar in it. But if it was something like a muesli bar that had five grams of sugar per serve, I'd be much more likely to be okay with it because that food is probably going to have some sugar in there. 
And it depends what else is in the food. So, you know, does it have fiber? Does it have any protein? What's the fat content? Is it saturated fat or is it healthy fats? Like it depends on like the whole nutrient profile as well. And it depends on what you're using that food for. So again, if we thought, okay, it's a pasta sauce and it's got sugar in the ingredients list and it's got maybe two grams of sugar per serve. So maybe we don't need any sugar ideally added to something like that. But let's say that you're eating that and you're having it with whole grain pasta. You've got a good serve of lean protein. You've got lots of vegetables going in, but the sauce has a tiny bit of hidden sugar in it realistically, that's not really a problem because in the overall context of that meal, the positives are far outweighing any negatives of that added sugar. It's really unlikely to make a dent in your blood sugar either. Now, it feels almost futile giving you a list of food categories to be aware of, given, like I said, you would probably find sugar in some form on basically everything that you pick up in a supermarket um, beside those whole foods and minimally processed foods. But I do think that you'll be annoyed if I don't go over this and give you an idea. So some food categories to be aware of that are likely to contain added sugar. So things like breakfast cereals, granola, muesli bars, plant-based milks, yogurts, pasta sauces, stir fry sauces, condiments, any types of sauces like salad dressings, um, sometimes bread, lots of drinks tinned beans, things like baked beans, um, crackers even, so jats and ritz, for example, Uh, some spreads like peanut butter if it's not the natural kind, things like veggie chips, protein balls, quote-unquote healthy desserts, ready-made meals, dips. To be honest, there's loads. Now, that list might have overwhelmed you and made you kind of more confused about what to buy, but it's really hard to give you you know, I can't really give you like exactly what's good and what's not good because sugar is going to creep into all of those food categories and maybe more that I haven't mentioned. The main principle that I think is helpful and that I want you to take away from this and keep in mind is that if your diet is based on whole foods and minimally processed foods and they are the foundations of your diet, then it's unlikely to be a concern if there is a little bit of added sugar or hidden sugar in the foods that you're eating. So go for things with short ingredients lists, go for things that don't come in packets. And then if you've got the odd gram or two of added sugar going in, then it's probably not a big deal. And along with that, if you're eating balanced meals, so you're eating your carbs alongside protein and with fiber from lots of fruits and vegetables, healthy fats, whole grain carbs, then again, it's even less of a big deal. I really hope that this has been in some way helpful. I know that it can just be painful when you're trawling the supermarket, picking things up and just trying to work out whether they are healthy or not, because they can always trick you with what they write on the front. So make sure that you're looking at the ingredients list, make sure you're looking at the nutrition panel, try and make sense of it the best that you can, and then find the things that you know are good and stick to them. But like I said, I think if the foundation of your diet is those minimally processed, whole foods, then you're probably good. But the other thing is that I have to mention, like in my coaching programs, I basically do this for you. So 
I provide my clients with meal plans and I'm quite specific on there. So I'll literally give like photos and names of brands to buy for certain things because I've actually already done that hard work. I spend hours looking in the supermarket aisles, like picking up things, looking at labels, working out what the best products are because I want them for myself and I also want to be able to recommend them to you. So I've done that hard work. You don't need to spend hours in the supermarket. You can outsource that to me if you would like. So I am taking new clients at the moment. So if you want me to do all of the hard work for you, take the headache out of it, then, you know, that's more than available to you. So send me a DM on Instagram. My handle is at nutrition.by.helena. And yeah, we can chat more about what I offer in my coaching programs, but please know that you wouldn't need to be thinking about any of this stuff because it can be confusing and frustrating and annoying. So I'd be very happy to help take that stress away from you. But that is it for this episode. I really hope that it did help. So it really helps the podcast as well if you leave a rating and a review or subscribe. But yes, I hope that you enjoyed and we will chat next week. Bye. That is it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. And if you haven't already, please make sure that you subscribe or hit the plus button so that you can get new episodes delivered straight to your podcast app every week. And if you did find this episode useful, I would appreciate it so, so much if you could leave a rating and review or share it with a friend. It helps me reach more people so that I can help them take some of the stress out of gestational diabetes too. And if you want to keep learning about all things gestational diabetes, head to my website to find all the ways that I can support you. Thanks so much. Chat soon. Bye.